Welcome to This Week in Animals. I'm your host, Steve Barnes, not an animal expert, animal amateur, let's say. This is the week of February 13th, 2023. Today, the guest is me. Usually, I'd have, I have a guest on here with me to talk about animals that are inhabiting their areas. But this week, we're going to start with myself. I'm here in Richmond, Virginia, and in Rico County specifically. We live right off of I-95, and so there's a small patch of woods between I-95 and our neighborhood, and there's a lot of animals that live in those woods, and they end up in our neighborhood just because of, I guess, you know, urban sprawl. So when I looked up all the different animals from Henrico, I found pretty much all of them are common to our neighborhood here. So... First, I'm going to introduce who I am. I'm Steve Barnes. Uh, I do music under the name Introvoid, which is found on you know Spotify, Apple Music. Also has some stuff out there with the name Rebecca Crow. That's my wife, Heather, and myself. That's our band. And we also have a couple things out there. And, you know, most likely that's what you're going to hear from me. And I do a weekly podcast called Sweet Child of Time, where I do TV recaps. Right now, I'm doing Wheel of Time. And I have done, I have done the first season of Wheel of Time. This is a Wheel of Time rewatch we're in the middle of right now. And we've recapped 1899 and starting in March, we're going to be recapping Netflix's Dark, which I'm looking forward to that big time. Uh, and you can find me at intro.void and I'm looking for guests of this show. I have five guests lined up so far. Uh, one from Oregon, two in California, different parts of California, and two from Pennsylvania, different parts of Pennsylvania as well. And today we're going to cover a little bit of Virginia, but I need other parts of the country, other parts of the world. So feel free to reach out to me on that Instagram, intro.void. That's where you find me most when I'm doing social media is on Instagram at that intro.void account. Um, you can drop me a message there or do a email to the website, to the podcast, um, this week in animals at gmail.com and that'll be the first link you see in the show notes and description so reach out to me to be a guest and we'll talk about animals um i'll start with my guest which is me uh steve you know what we figured out that you're from henrico county richmond virginia and we looked up the different animals that are native to that area i'm um, seeing here deer moles coyotes Bees, beavers, rats, groundhogs, raccoons, chipmunks. You got some bats, birds, pigeons, skunks, snakes, mice, squirrels, salamanders, skinks. And that pretty much wraps up our list. 49% of the animals you're going to find in this area are birds um, of all different types. But reading through that list, you're going to find all those animals in my neighborhood. Um, specifically, I'll start with deer. We see deer a lot, especially when it's their season to come out and do their thing. And more specifically, there's a big buck that lives somewhere. I don't, I don't know a patch of woods around here big enough that I think would house him, but it does. He's, he's huge. He's a monster. And I've seen him out at nighttime, especially like in the spring. Um, and we also have, let's see, coyotes right now. 
which is really new and really interesting. Um, we started seeing them about a month ago. Uh, we see them in the backyard. And when I was just walking my dog down the street, we saw a baby coyote that was like looking at us from a few houses up and it was in the middle of the road, looked pretty confused. Um, I hope it had a parent living nearby. I'm not sure if it did. Cause that's all we see are the baby coyotes walking around. When I say babies, they're about, they're a little larger than a cat. Um, daily animals. I would ask my guests what kind of daily animals they see all the time. Cause I don't see coyotes every day. I don't see deer every day, but I do see squirrels every day. Uh, we have a family that lives here in our yard and they've been here as long as we've been here, which is about 16 years. And they move around from tree to tree, but they pretty much stick with the main tree in the backyard and they uh, go into our garage and they have a little nest they have up there, which we've tried to get rid of many times um, just through humane methods. And they keep coming back, especially when it rains or when it's freezing. Uh, I found a baby squirrel one time, like out in the snow, and I had to take it back up to the parents' nest uh, up there. Um, they're kind of annoying, I guess, but they don't really do anything to like, um, you know, they don't ruin our, our wires. They don't, we don't put out bird seeds. They don't steal our bird seeds. So there's really nothing they're doing that's damaging, but they are kind of annoying and they all ought, they're always out there. And, you know, I've, I've come across an injured one, one time that I, I had no choice, but, but to kill it quickly. Um, we've seen the babies when they come out and the parents are teaching the babies how to jump from tree to tree, branch to branch. It's pretty adorable to watch. So that's where I live at is in Henrico, but I also work all across Virginia. So I have seen some interesting animals while I've been out at work. Um, the most interesting encounter I think I saw was in, in Culpeper where I was coming down a very small backcountry road right next to like a swamp. I didn't know it was right next to a swamp at the time. Um, I looked up afterwards <laughs> my surrounding areas because there was a gigantic snapping turtle, not snapping turtle. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what it was, a snapping turtle. Uh, biggest turtle I've ever seen in my life in the middle of the road. Uh, I saw it quick enough for me to stop, but from the way the road was angled, I knew that if anybody came around the bend the opposite direction, they would absolutely hit them because there's no way they could slow down. So I pulled over real quick and <laughs> tried to shoo him across the road. And he turned around and started chasing me. He was super fast, way faster than I could, I ever imagined. And I ran back to my car and luckily right around that exact same moment, a couple of, uh, local boys pulled up, um, you know, real rough type, guys that looked like they were used to this kind of thing. They just kind of laughed at me, got out. One of them grabbed the snapping turtle by the back and like heaved it into the woods. Um, and we all said, thank you and good day. And that was probably the most interesting encounter I've had at work out there was this giant snapping turtle that chased after me, <laughs> not chased very far, but he chased and approached me like quickly to let me know not to mess with them. So I backed off. I'm going to look through my list of animals and see if there's anything in here that I don't see very often. Um, yeah, there's raccoons that are native to this area. And we have had raccoons in our yard. One time there was one in our garage 
and I had to shoo it out of the garage and it ended up living in one of our trees in the front yard. And when we got those trees trimmed one year, uh, this is how we knew he lived in there. <laughs> we didn't know that. Uh, the guys who were trimming the tree sent me a picture of the raccoon in the tree and it was really adorable that, you know, they were like, we found this raccoon and, you know, we had to chase it off and it, they showed me which direction it ran. Uh, it ran, you know, towards that patch of woods between our neighborhood and the interstate. Uh, and I haven't seen or heard from them since. Uh, the interesting thing about that though, is that happened a very long time ago, um, more than 10 years ago. And so I was calling around to get our trees trimmed again and I called that same company and the guy immediately remembered me, not just because of the raccoon situation, but that same day while he was doing the trees, he cut off one of his fingers. And when he showed up to give me a quote here at the house, he had the four fingers on his hand. It was like, yeah, I, I, I know your house. I know you guys very well. Yeah, we um, animals. We're going to talk about animals of all sorts. Um, if people have reptiles or fish or any type of bug or any type they want to discuss, I know that's something that we see around our house a lot. A very common thing we see in the house here in Henrico, and it's common in every house in Henrico, Virginia. Uh, camel crickets. Camel crickets uh, will get into your crawl space and they'll come up in the light sometimes. And so that's a common occurrence. And stink bugs, which I don't know why they're called stink bugs. I've never encountered any that stunk too bad. Uh, you just, you know, <laughs> either shoo them outside or you squish them and I've never had one stink. But we have a fireplace and I think that's the reason that we have them is because they, you know, like to hang out up there. Uh, mice, that's another interesting one. We've had... A situation with mice maybe I guess six years ago and at first I was catching the mice in a humane trap and then I would just walk out to the backyard and release them and immediately when I saw the mouse run back towards the house I knew that <laughs> that was not a good plan so I looked up how to do this when you catch these mice in your house if you do so in a humane trap they recommend 10 miles for releasing any sort of animal like that. And it's, there's different ways you can look at it. Uh, some people look at like releasing an animal like that into the wild as less humane than actually just killing it, giving a quick death. Cause they say that the animal in like a new environment without its family, uh, without its regular sources would probably become food for another animal more than likely. So it'd be more humane just to kill them on site. Uh, I chose to release them in an area that I knew had other mice. It was about 10 miles away. It was in Ashland and I drove to Ashland on a regular basis anyway. So I ended up catching about five or six of these mice in the same period of time and released them all to the same area over there in Ashland. And I think I did them right. I, I hope I did them right. I hope I didn't just feed some snakes because there are black snakes. That's a really another common animal around is black snakes. I hope that's not what I did was just provide a meal. But um, in my mind, they're all together and <laughs> they've just relocated from Henrico to Ashland and, and they're doing just fine. And we haven't seen any mice since then. So I, I know we got them all and it's not a regular problem. It's, it's, well, I say that now, it's, there's me knocking on wood, hoping that it doesn't happen again. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back, we're going to go and do some world animal news. 
All right, I'm checking in on worldanimalnews.com. And like I said, it's February 13th, 2023 this year or (laughs) this week. And the biggest thing right now is, of course, the earthquake that occurred in the series of earthquakes, I should say, in Turkey and Syria. And of course, there was 7,000 humans so far that we know have lost their lives at this point. Um, and this podcast, we're going to focus on animals because many animals have, you know, succumbed to this as well. And I've seen some like cute Reddit videos. There's a couple of them out there right now of, um, you know, dogs being rescued. I saw a German shepherd getting rescued by a team with all of its puppies. And I saw another Maltese dog, I guess, one of those little white furry dogs, um, that was, his whole body was stuck. And so just his head was exposed, but he looked so friendly and so happy. He was just looking all the rescuers in the eye and they were feeding him water. And it took 40 hours apparently to get him out. And, uh, that they, I don't know if they, they worked entirely the whole time, but he was such a cute little guy. And yeah, I'm looking at a picture of him right now with, <laughs> with some fellow when he got out and he was, he's pretty adorable. This is there on Reddit under, uh, you know, Reddit r slash news right now. It's a, it's a big story. But here is a story from worldanimalnews.com. The world is mobilizing to assist with heroic search and rescue efforts in Turkey and Syria following yesterday's, well, February 7th's devastating earthquake. This morning, I'm going to read the article here, and this is what we're going to do uh, at this time in the podcast. We're going to read a news article and then discuss afterwards. This morning, Turkish President Recep Tayyip issued an update following yesterday's 7.8 magnitude earthquake that tragically killed more than 7,000 people in Turkey and northwest Syria. Sadly, that number is expected to rise. Statistics on how animals have died, been injured, or displaced by the earthquake have yet to be released. In order to ensure that search and rescue activities and subsequent work can be carried out quickly, we have decided to declare a state of emergency, of course, (laughs) for three months in 10 provinces in accordance with Article 119 of the Constitution. Thankfully, help is on the way for both humans and animals alike in the 10 cities most affected by the earthquake. Then it lists a whole bunch of countries here. Um, and of course, the United States is among them. 45 countries that are sending their support to the devastated efforts to help with search and rescue efforts. First responders, military units, supplies, airplanes, and transport vehicles from around the world are currently en route to assist local crews with the monumental task of saving as many lives as possible. Reports are flooding in that people and animals are trapped beneath buildings and mountainous rubble. So there's two different teams. There's, um, of course, the human team, then there's a team that focuses on animals. And of course, I think the animal team, if they're needed to call out to help the humans, they're doing so. But I'm looking at a lot of pictures here on worldanimalnews.com of uh, some pretty rough looking cats that are very, (laughs) very earthquake laden, but they're they're happy to be rescued. They're in the arms of rescuers. Um, Here is a rescue dog, um, Haytap, an animal rights federation in Turkey, explained on its website that it only has enough power to go to the city of Hatay, Antioch because of the limited amount of trained people and resources. But the reason I went into reading that is because there's a picture of a rescued dog here that is going to help find other dogs in order to get rescued. 
If you would like to donate to HeyTap in order to help them continue their critical work, please, uh-oh, click here. You can't click there. You can go to their website, and I'm going to put their, um, that, that'll be the second link that you see in the show notes after my email address. will be the, the website to help. Of course, I'm not saying you can go over there and, and roll up your sleeves and go to Turkey, but they'll take any kind of donations or any kind of spreading the word that you can do, post on social media, for example. Let's see, I saw a more uplifting story here about a couple of dolphins that got relocated to the wild. Three endangered humpback waffen, <laughs> dolphins were released back into the ocean after being illegally captured and sold to a resort in Bayron. Some hopeful news as three humpback dolphins have been released. Indian Ocean humpback dolphins are listed as endangered. In Bayron's first ever operation of its kind, the dolphins were released back into the ocean following a decision by the Bayron authorities to convict three fishermen of poaching the dolphins and selling them to a resort, specializing in dolphin shows. The release will be life-changing for the three dolphins. From confinement in a pool contained with rusty leaks and a poorly maintained ceiling where they were found to perform daily for public entertainment, they are now swimming free in the ocean, said Michael Sharp, director of IFAW's Marine Mammal Rescue Program. The work does not end with the release of the dolphins. We will monitor these animals via satellite trackers, thanks to a contribution from the Dutch Postcode Lottery. As they readjust to their natural environment, after over a year in illegal forced captivity. Hmm. We should all dedicate ourselves to make sure this does not happen again. Uh, yeah, I should have done that with the mice, I guess. I could have got like a tracker to make sure they were okay. I could track their, their involvement there in Ashland, make sure they were all good. They continue, um, Najat Terada, co-founder of Tales Veterinary Clinic, says that in coordination with IFAW, the clinic provided comprehensive veterinarian examinations, diagnosing the health of the dolphins. Tales also managed their safety during the transportation of the animals to the release site as well as mm, supervising the placement of the tracked devices and helped to ensure that the dolphins were safety released. Yeah, reiterating what we already said there. One more story for the news. Colorado Parks and Wildlife locate and collar two male wolves helping to protect these majestic misunderstood animals. Heck yes. I'm talking about wolves in my other podcast right now. Sweet child of time. But yeah, a couple of these wolves. Some hopeful news as the wolves naturally migrated to Jackson County, Colorado. This is not a result of the wolf reintroduction efforts, as no wolves have been reintroduced to Colorado under Proposition 114. Both animals were caught together in an area of North Park, where we have been receiving reports from the public in the past couple of weeks. CPW Species Conservation Program Manager Eric Odell said in a statement, Odell was part of the capture team, working to collar wolves in North Park along with CPW wildlife research scientist Ellen Brandell and Pauline Knoll. We would like to thank the public for sending in the wolf sightings. CPW's team was working on capturing and collaring wolves in conjunction with elves and moose capture efforts for ongoing research studies in the areas. 2101, that's one of the wolves' names, collar had failed and we could see it was damaged, 
Wolves are rough on collars, and that's no, and that's to be expected that in the time collars will fail. Refitting the collar and having a second GPS will allow our biologists and wildlife managers to continue learning about the behavior of these wolves. During the collaring effort, the CPW contracted company safely darted the animal with a tranquilizer from a helicopter, yuck, allowing the collar to be fitted by field staff on the ground. Both animals were given a health exam during the collaring process and appear to be in good health. It's worth noting that while collars provide valuable information, they only provide a snapshot and are not monitored in real time. The primary tools used by wildlife officers are field observations of physical evidence, such as wolf prints and scat during field investigations to verify the presence of wolves on the landscape. CPW also encourages the public to use its wolf sighting form if they notice a suspected wolf. Any personal observations, photos, or videos taken can help inform CPW staff and fill in the gaps as to the wolf activity in the state. And once again, the state that we're talking about is Colorado. We'll be talking to Elizabeth from Kill Elizabeth. She's in Oregon, and I think they do have wolves native to her area. All right, at this point in the podcast is when we would talk about our pets. I would ask my guests what kind of pets they may have, and if they don't have any pets, maybe pets they grew up with, or uh, friends' pets, perhaps. We have two pets here at our home. We have our cat, Melissa, and our dog, Hopper, who Hopper is part German Shepherd, part uh, Lab. And he's a pretty obnoxious fellow. I'm I'm surprised I haven't heard him barking since I've been recording here. Uh, He's a very loud, uh, lets you know how he's feeling kind of dog. And he gets bored every night and he he barks at us to to get some attention and to get something going on. And, uh, you know, he's, besides that, uh, barking, that's his worst habit right now. It used to be biting. He was taken from his mother too soon. So he had a real... um, inclination to nip at people. He wasn't taught by his mother not to do this. And we didn't do a good enough job of teaching him not to either. So for a very long time, that was a problem with him where he would, he would nip. That's just what he would do. And it was bad. We all, you know, had scars on our hands and other places and he would destroy things in that way, like destroy clothes that we were wearing. Like if we were wearing something that had a flow to it, he would like nip at that in a playful manner, except for he had those puppy teeth. (laughs) Um, It was a long time getting rid of that. And now it's turned into, he's more apt to lick now than anything else and to bark. He's not a biter anymore like he used to be. Um, But anybody who's going through that puppy biting, I I definitely sympathize and empathize with you. Um, It was, it was pretty bad for us. Um, Melissa, the cat, uh, we got her from, the Richmond Animal Shelter here, I believe it's called RACC, Rack is what people call it. And when we went in to get a cat, we decided we were going to go look at cats, of course, with our young daughter. Um, you know what that means. We're going to get one. Uh, so there was one particular cat we were looking at that we liked, but then this other cat in the same room kept meowing at us so loudly and trying to get our attention so much. Uh, that we decided to get her instead. And that turned out to be the the shelter named her Melissa Villasenor. 
and we loved SNL and we loved Melissa Villasenor, so we stuck with the name. But we also call her Kiki sometimes, kind of short for Kitty, but she'll get called Kiki a lot around the house. Uh, She's also a very vocal animal. She still meows to get our attention a lot, especially when she goes and climbs up on top of the garage and she wants to get down and doesn't want to do it by herself. She'll just meow as loud as she can. Uh, But she's a real sweet cat, and she loves our yard with all the animals in it. Um, She catches salamanders and camel crickets, of course. She's caught in birds. I'm not sure if she's caught in any squirrels, not that I know of, but she has caught in, um, like, skinks. Uh, She'll catch those and play around with those for a very long time. Uh, So she loves our backyard. She's she's, uh, um, mostly an indoor cat. But our backyard is is large enough to you know keep her satisfied, and she doesn't wander off beyond like our neighbor's backyard. Um, so that's our pet corner. I can't ask any of my guests about their pets, but I will next week. Speaking of next week, I'm gonna have Nate. He has done a podcast with me before. We've recapped 1899 together, and he is from the band Voidmaster. He comes from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He actually used to live in Philadelphia, but I'm going to be talking to him about animals in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because I know he's uh, native to that area. And he's got a new puppy, brand new puppy. So we're going to talk about puppy stuff. Uh, His puppy is not biting. (laughs) His puppy is very sweet and sleeps a lot. Uh, Still to this day, I think think it's like 13 or 14 weeks now. Uh, So, so far, so good. You'll hear about that next week. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please get in touch with me, thisweekinanimals at gmail.com, or you can reach me on Instagram at intro.void. The music that you're hearing is from me, Intro Void. It's a song called Covered in Marsh, and you can find that everywhere on Spotify and Apple and all that kind of stuff. So until next week, we'll see you. Bye. Bye.